0: Thank you, Peter, uh, for raising this to my attention. Apparently, today, the gas interconnection pipeline between Poland and Lithuania has been opened, uh, linking the Baltic and Polish gas markets to the rest of the European Union. Uh, as the Prime Minister of Lithuania notes, this strengthens the energy independence of the region and increases the possibilities of using the Klaipeda LNG terminal in Lithuania um, to possibly supply gas through that to other uh, to other European member states, what I'm not entirely sure on is what um, what the throughput of that pipeline is, uh, what percentage of um, say Russian supplies to Europe this could possibly this could possibly um, replace. However, it's an important step in getting the European Union additionally gas independent from Russia. Um, I would also like to note that Finland a few days ago, noted that they are now completely um, independent of Russian gas. Now, while Finland has been uh, supplying 100% of its gas from Russia, they've been using very little gas as a total proportion of their energy mixture. And as a consequence, it was quite easy for them to get off of Russian gas altogether. But between that and cancelling the uh, building of the Hanikivi nuclear power plant in the north of Finland, which is supposed to be built by Rosatom and started to be built in the next year or so. Uh, I believe that Finland is now entirely and completely energy independent from Russia. So that's good news, right? Uh, And thank you again, Peter, for bringing my attention to that. I did not see that previously. There's a question from DMS uh, asking whether Russia's increased hits in train infrastructure, such as power grid grid substations, uh, are going to significantly impact Ukraine. And does anyone know how long it takes to repair? The train infrastructure, so about the rails as well as the power grid substation. I don't really particularly know how long it takes to repair the, electric, the electrical bits. I know that replacing rails is relatively quick, and if need be, and if the dedication is there, that can usually be done within, you know, literally a couple of days. However, the electrical component of that might be a little bit more tricky, especially with, um, you know, let's say. A relative lack of supplies because a lot of this stuff has to be replaced in short order. However, obviously, with the power grid substations going out, you can still run uh, diesel electric locomotives that don't rely on overhead power. And to my understanding, in Ferlane, maybe you can um, help me out with this because I don't know uh, Ukrainian railways nearly as well as you do. But my understanding is that while quite large stretches of Ukraine are electrified, electri- ele- electricity-powered or overhead electrical-powered locomotives were mostly really used for uh, local or medium-distance passenger trains, while the bulk of sort of cargo traffic and uh, long-distance passenger trains was run by diesel locomotives. Does that sound about right to you, Ferenc? Maybe this is beyond your um, uh, interest. In-
1: oh, well, uh, well, okay. So, frankly speaking, that's not something which I'm interested in on a daily basis. For instance, like Craig, I'm not that enthusiastic into diving into uh, railways whatsoever. I yes, uh, I did travel by them because it's uh, very convenient. Um, but since I ha- I'm hosting a family of IDPs, or usually, yeah, so um, who have been working in the railways uh, for decades, like three generations are there basically. Uh, sometimes when I come to them in the evening, I try to check on them once I have, have some opportunity. I do hear some stories about uh, various. <coughs> Um, you know, uh, uh, various uh, specifics and some old stories about the past, and some stories about uh, the glorious times and how, right now, our uh, railway workers, workers, and employees are helping out for a lot of different uh, things, which. Can't be disclosed sometimes, uh, but, but they're helping with uh, refugees. They're helping with the provision of supplies and medical aid. They also run so-called um, medical train, and they have medical parts and there are like a lot of background activities which can to mention. So um, it kinda is also a part of why I might become enthusiastic because you 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 see that this is something which makes their life. Like you know, uh, i, I make, make makes their eyes brighter, and they like to share some stories about it, and they, for a moment just forget about everything, and just um I have like a flow of consciousness, extreme of consciousness, basically on some of those topics, and I can just uh it's it it it, it it's therapeutic, it helps them to when someone is listening about the specifics of maintaining the breaks in the cards. Oh, how they are intercommunicating in between the departments and so on. Um, so, we do have all of those like three types that you mentioned. Plus, it's mostly not in the diesel, but you have like the old ones with coal that uh, are being used. Like, don't have electricity lines all over Ukraine. I wouldn't say that. Uh, we, was, we we wanted to, to um, modernize uh but as of now it's just old uh railways with all um, fuel trains like 70% of the time i'd say if not 80 i'm um, so uh yeah well as of right now the only thing i can tell is that uh railway workers who are, are still uh on duty and dedicating all their time to keep are the railway services going, are also one of the heroes, uh, especially how they are dealing with press, because, like, don't get me wrong, but we do have a lot of, um, I'm sorry, wartime tourists who come to Ukraine and they keep taking pictures and and photos of everything they see and so on. And um, our railway workers are, are dealing with them, like, perfectly, I would say. With utmost respect, with patience, and with and when answering all the questions about like how they're managing, what's the procedures, they just say let's the end of the war come, and then we'll reveal and disclose everything that you are wondering about. But as of right now, we we tend to um, we tend to and the railway um, CEOs and heads uh, are trying to sustain the operational security within the air railways as well because they are part of what i would say most <laughs> critical infrastructures now and they're being targeted um i would say 85 percent of the time um if if they target railways they usually at least damage something unfortunately they started doing that um in 2014 in Donetsk and Luhansk, and they continue to follow the same pattern, unfortunately. Um, that's why, uh, we are, since we're since we have already uh, lost access to some of the railway facilities in the eastern part of Ukraine, it's getting hard to uh, get enough people, especially since they're uh, all scattered around uh to keep uh the release functioning as usual and as you know ukraine is a large country uh the biggest in europe if not taking uh into account that city <clears throat> russia um part that we we still have kind of in europe but whatever as a continent maybe uh so it's um it's not perfect. It's imperfect because it was developed during the old Soviet times, and some of the some some of the routes are illogical by default, uh, because they were uh, usually led to the cities which uh, were developed in the old USSR times, just because the the heads of the of authorities thought that they could gonna do something in those cities, but. Um, it's, it's just very pricey to change something, and we didn't have like honestly. Uh, we uh, we we tried to uh, procure something uh, which was affordable for Ukraine, and as you know, we are not the wealthiest country in Europe <laughs> by any means. Um, so trying to trying to survive during the hybrid war that was happening in twenty fourteen, developing the country, keeping on economics. And economy, sorry, economy and 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 what so on and so forth it was hard to modernize railways as well so we we were procuring uh like ukraine i mean ukraine was procuring some new trains um and they were uh they had planned to modernize the railways as a whole but once again, it wouldn't be a change overnight. It was the plan that there was so called like like big reconstructed reconstruction plan. Right now it's gonna be even um I guess global. <laughs> How would I say? Uh for this. So yeah, it's a, it's a it's a complicated issue to begin with. And I I, I am sorry that Craig isn't here. He be he probably would be more even knowledgeable on this in, uh, than me since he's, uh, he's, he's, he's in the interest in, in, in trains and railways, is undoubtful.
0: Thank you, Ferdinand. Um I I got some notes in the meantime uh, from, from, uh, from a few people who know more about the substations as well. They're basically saying, in principle, this can be fixed in about a day. However a lot of these transformers are going to be custom units and unless they have, you know, spares at hand, this can, this can hold up re- repairs quite extensively, especially with, you know, the sort of supply issues that they've been facing. Um, it's, uh, yeah, um, it, it's not, it's not the most straightforward uh, situation necessarily, especially with so many of these substations being blown out. And, uh, there's a, there's another question. These are sadly all of our military folks are not here right now, so all of these military questions are kind of difficult to answer. Uh, let's try to go with something more, uh, with something that I might be able to answer. And there's a question. There's quite an extensive question from a from a listener saying. So Ukraine is a country of rivers. I see that the Russians breached Dnipro in Kherson and have quite a bit of that oblast. There are only two bridges over the Dnipro in the region. Uh, pause and quote. I think one of them is actually a dam. I think one is the, one is a dam and the other one's a bridge. Uh, continuing the quote, what would be the merit of the Ukrainian troops uh, to attack these bridges to trap Russian forces? Would this be a good idea, or or would removing a means of escape from Russians? Uh, the follow-up is: What does Ukraine need to do to achieve targeting these bridges, uh, which perhaps could be used against the Kerch bridge? Okay, I'll deal with the Kerch Bridge first because that's relatively easier. The Kerch Bridge is really hard for the Ukrainians to get to. It would either have to be some sort of, um, I don't know, uh, special forces operation with a little boat going all the way around Crimea and going for them, uh, mining the bridge from below. That's kind of difficult to do. It's many hundreds of kilometers uh, that would need to be traveled overseas to get to it. Uh, Secondly... Uh, if they wanted to attack it from land, I think it's about 300 kilometers from the closest Ukrainian positions. They don't have um, they don't have weaponry that can reach that far. The farthest reaching weaponry they currently have that we know of are the Tochka u missiles, and they have a range of something like 120 kilometers, if my memory serves me correctly. So they can't they can't take it out with that. There has been some speculation that. If Ukraine indeed gets the M270 multiple rocket launch systems from the US, there are munitions for those that can actually reach about 300 kilometers, so they might be able to be able to take it out from there. But without knowing of you know new things that Ukrainians have or launching, basically flying over in planes and trying to take out the bridge that way, I don't think they, they presently have the capacity to do it um also peter uh Verlaine notes that these are not ducks they are grasshoppers that she's recorded herself um that that's a side note all right back to the question uh the two bridges so i think the one dam and one bridge in Kherson oblast over the lower dnipro um they are not the easiest things to get to you also don't want the the russians to try to blow up the dam at nova Kakovka because that would kind of take out much of, the, um, much of the land to the south of it on either side of the Dnipro and might take out the bridge at Kherson in the process as well. Of course, however, uh, it would be great for Ukrainians to take those bridges. Now, if the question is imagining a market garden sort of situation, that's probably not going to be something that's going to, that's going to happen. However, as Ukrainians push closer and closer uh, in Kherson Oblast towards Dnipro, which they have been doing thus far, Uh, The river Dnipro, not the city Dnipro. Eventually, hopefully, Russians will just retreat across those and retreat back into Crimea, etc. But if they were to, you know, if Ukrainians were to just try to capture those bridges or blow up the bridges, I don't think that would be necessarily the best idea for them. Uh, It's better if Russians just willfully leave themselves uh, like they did from, say, the northwest of Kiev, etc. It would be quite difficult to to, uh, to try to do that, I think. Militarily, But someone else can correct me who knows more about these things than I do. All right. I think we had a, yes, we had another question about the Kerch Bridge. Uh, So I'm guessing that's uh, already been kind of answered. Uh, This question also asks how important the Kerch Bridge is. It's pretty important because a lot of the supplies that flow from Russia to Crimea and then onward into southern Ukraine come across it. However, it's not critically important in the sense that because Russians control much of the Northern Black Sea, they can still supply Crimea over um, over the water, right, with ships. So I think that, that covers that. Uh, lo- next, there's a question about, and uh, uh-huh, I see, do the Ukrainian forces fight in larger units, or is it usually small mobile units, like special forces size? Those small units seem to be very effective. Again, to the best of my understanding, and my understanding is far from perfect on this, and this is just repeating what, People who are more informed on this than me have uh, previously said, Ukrainians have tried to be quite opportunistic when it came to, you know, attacking Russian convoys, etc., because that is the most effective way of fighting, let's say. Um, And I think it's, uh, it's a good idea for Ukrainians to try to continue that as much as possible. Uh, because it is a lot easier to you know, fight out of an ambush and destroy a couple of tanks or five tanks or whatever and then get going again. It's a relatively low risk exercise uh, compared to frontal force-on-force combat. However, a lot of what is happening and will happen ever more, especially in the east of Ukraine, will be these more artillery barrage first than uh, a mechanized or armor uh, battle following on from that. At least probably Uh, and this is why it's particularly important for ukrainians to get as much supplies in as possible of these heavy weapons from western allied countries so while it's good to do as much as you possibly can uh with uh you know an an infant a light infantry company armed to the teeth with javelins and um and 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 laws and whatever other anti-tank weapons they can they they got from the west That's fantastic. It's a really good way to go and destroy some Russian some Russian armor. However, that's probably not going to be sufficient or almost certainly isn't going to be sufficient to actually push Russians out of the country. Uh, I hope that I I covered that as best as I could, honestly. Um, Apparently, there is a website hosted in Ukraine that is counting down to the 9th of May and the url is crimeabridgedown.co.uk.com.ua. okay that's an that's an interesting end to a uh, to a url my opinion is that this is a i don't know a meme more than anything else maybe did you take it down the night of may i have nothing against that whatsoever uh, remember that there did used to be a previous bridge across the Kirch strait that has been taken out um, was it by the Soviets advancing in 1943-44 across there, or was it the Germans that blew it up? I don't remember. Anyway, but there used to be a, a bridge across the Kerch Strait. Having said this, somebody's going to correct me within a matter of minutes, and then I'll I'll bring that up. Uh, and Luís, please go ahead so I can stop talking for a bit.
2: Yes, I just wanted to, to add something to that page. I uh, already saw, saw that page yesterday. Uh, but I will ask you to please be careful um, uh, distributing this page because uh, it is not secured. There is no SSL certificate um, that is uh, securing the page. I don't know who built it, so uh, maybe uh, there is some kind of, uh, I don't know, ransomware or or everything else uh, that that could be possible. Be, Be careful.
0: Yeah, I think everybody can find a much better countdown to May ninth elsewhere on the internet, right? That's a lot more secure uh, and uh, very easy to get to. Anyway, um, not that you really need it. Just you know, use a calendar or look at the front of your phone. Um, but yeah, thank you for that, Luis. I did. I did. I mean, I generally don't click on links that people send me in the, in Twitter DMs unless it's a URL that I'm already very familiar with and a trusted and a trusted uh, messenger. Um, but yeah, I I don't whatever. If they if they blow up the bridge, great. If they don't, that, that's probably fine too. It's not that high up on the list of strategic targets, I guess. I mean, especially when it comes to the utility of the target times the ease of getting rid of the target, if that makes sense. You know, kind of a, a traditional Buckminster Fuller assessment of risk, but not for risk, for utility. And somebody's correcting me that apparently it was the spring uh, ice flows, uh, ice flows uh, that swept the timber abutments with the tidal flow of the original Kerch Bridge. Uh, thank you, Anonymous Messenger. I knew I was going to be corrected by someone immediately, and I was. Uh, that's about the one uh, from the Second World War that spanned the Kerch Strait. There's also a reason why there wasn't a bridge built during you know, the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, and the 80s across the Strait, uh, while all of that was a part of the Soviet Union, of course. You know, it wasn't that important at the time, let's say. For Lynn, um, can you try to raise water yet, Benny-chan? I think it'd be really good if we got some co-hosts up and uh, maybe get some speakers up. Yeah,
1: do it, do you. Give me a second.
0: Thank you, for Lynn. Um I just, yeah, I want to see... Uh, I would love to see as many uh, people up as possible. And... Um, yeah, apparently the person who sent me the link mistyped it anyway. Uh the one that we, the one that you were talking about, so that's good. Uh there's nothing on the link apparently, otherwise than some kind of cool graphics and a timer. Uh and a text that also translates to Russians who moved to Crimea after occupation in twenty fourteen, you still have time to leave the territory of the sovereign state of Ukraine. So right. That sounds uh, that sounds about right to me.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, I saw it yesterday. It was only a page with the clock on it and uh, on the background. It was the bridge to Crimea. Uh, But um, like I said, it was for me a a little bit suspect because uh, it was not secure. There was no SSL certificate. I was warned by my browser uh, getting into it. Uh, So that's why I I was a, a little bit careful.
0: Thanks, Luis. Um, I have a, a quite a quite a good note. I think from uh, from a DM saying that according to the Verkhovna Rada of Ukraine, that is the Parliament of Ukraine, Moldova is going to assist in demining of the liberated territories of Ukraine and take part in the reconstruction. Says the deputy chairwoman of Verkhovna Rada, the speaker of the Moldovan Parliament visited uh, the liberated uh, areas of Bucha in Irpin, and. Um, Igor, the Speaker of the Moldovan Parliament, so the terrible consequences of the Russian occupation, met with the mayor of Ivpene as well, uh, the secretary of the Bucha City Council, and the advisor to the mayor of Bucha, promising that Moldova would provide assistance in demining liberate the liberated territories of Ukraine and will participate in the reconstruction of Ukraine. Uh, I'm just guessing, probably not very monetari- very much monetarily, but if they can, you know, spare some people who can, uh, who are experts in demining and EOD. Uh, that would obviously be fantastic, because there's a lot of that to be taken care of. Um, further, the Speaker of the Moldovan Parliament supported Ukraine's candidacy for EU membership. OK, they can't really do much in terms of that because Moldova is not an EU member. However, Moldova has applied together with, uh, with Ukraine effectively or a day or two after Ukraine had for EU membership uh, as the Georgia. Uh, Continuing, Uh, in addition, politicians discussed the situation in Transnistria. Together, we must not allow Moldova's territory within its internationally recognized borders to be used to attack Ukraine and destabilize the situation in Moldova, the deputy chairwoman of Verkhovna Rada stressed. Um, So that's that's some good news, absolutely. It's good to see that Moldova and Ukraine are cooperating well, at least at the parliamentary level, and I think I'm in pretty much full agreement with what was said. Um, Additionally, uh, both the ports in Bulgaria and uh, and Romania are working on upgrading their infrastructure and moving cargo in and out of the area as, far, as fast as they can. Additionally, to meet the challenge, Romania's government has come up with two projects to unblock road traffic and facilitate the flow of cargo to the port of Constanza. First, it plans by the end of the year to have to fix 95 railway lines uh, that are dating back to the communist era which have been blocked for decades now by hundreds of rusting rail cars. The €40 million project would allow Constanta, the the big port that Romania has in the Black Sea, to match or even beat the record 67.5 million tonnes of goods in transit recorded last year. The Transport Ministry of Romania is also seeking bids for the work to reopen a 5-kilometre railway line, uh, more than 200 kilometres to the north of Constanta, which would connect Gurgulești in Moldova, which is the little bit between Romania and Ukraine in that, you know, southernmost point of, of Moldova to Galati on the Danube in eastern Romania. Um, There's a very short distance. It's only it's it's li- it literally is only the five kilometers that separate those two cities. But that would additionally help any transit between specifically southern Bessarabia, that little bit of Odessa um, Oblast and a little bit of Ukraine that's to the south of Moldova uh, and its connectivity Uh, with Romania. Of course, the Zatoka bridge would have to be fixed up first fully to be able to um, um, for for that to be able to positively affect the rest of Ukraine, right? And and thank you, my dear Romanian contributor, for bringing my attention to this. Additionally, apparently, a factory in Kaliningrad, uh, where several types of cars, including BMWs, Kias and Hyundais, were assembled, um, has, due to the difficult economic situation, decided to allocate plots for vegetable gardens to its employees. Uh, the shareholders and the management of Avtator decided to allocate free land plots for everyone uh, for arranging vegetable gardens of 1,000 square meters in size, according to the administration of Avtator. In total, two land massives with a total area of 300 hectares were allocated, three square kilometers, were allocated for these purposes uh, in two villages of uh, Holmogorovka and Yubilno near Kaliningrad that are both uh, owned by Altator uh, note that most of the plant is on administrative leave because they can't actually, or paid leave because they can't actually do anything in the factory because they don't have anything to do anything with. Um, there's additional questions on why uh, there are new Russian tanks and new uh, BTRs that are being uh, now used in Ukraine that haven't been used yet, specifically the T-90M, the first one of which was destroyed, I believe, yesterday by Ukrainians, uh, which is a relatively modern Russian tank from the 1990s. Uh, and also the, there has been a first confirmed sighting of an MT-LBM, uh, which is an mt with a different turret that's lifted from a BTR-82 uh, that was apparently abandoned by the Russian forces i think they were probably there earlier most of these things uh, we just have they, they were just there in very small numbers and we haven't seen the, the destructions of them previously or the abandonments of them previously so basically they couldn't be visually confirmed easily previously uh russia does not have that many particularly modern vehicles in their in their stocks they have a lot of the older stuff and they have vast numbers of you know 50 plus year old tanks for example which are not upgraded or barely upgraded since most of the modern things that they've actually started the invasion with, well, a good chunk of that has actually been destroyed, uh, which is quite good to hear, of course. I fear Ferlane still hasn't managed to uh, raise water, um, which is kind of a shame because I'd love to speak to some of you good people instead of uh, having you just listen to me drone on and on about things that people uh, sent me. However... In the meantime, if you have any additional questions, especially questions that I can probably answer better or maybe some stuff that Verlaine can answer better, uh, rather than specifically, you know, things of military tactics and strategy, uh, that might be useful as well. So if you have any questions, please DM them to me and I will happily read them out and address them. Really? No one? That's a shame. All right. Uh, What can we talk about? We can talk about Russians having... uh, Again, broken the ceasefire that they themselves agreed to that was supposed to start this morning. Uh, Went on apparently for about an hour, hour and a half before Russians started shelling Azovstal yet again. And we have a question. Oh, all right. So there's a a couple of questions here. Uh, First question. Apparently Bill Browder is going to be testifying to the US Congress about the corruption in the Swiss law enforcement system, uh, specifically with respect to the Magnitsky case. Uh, The Swiss are so rattled by hearing... Uh, there's the, the Swiss foreign minister called uh, U.S. Secretary of State Blinken to complain about it. That That's interesting to note. Uh, can I speak to this? I can't really speak to this because I don't really have any uh, a good grasp of the Swiss law enforcement system. However, if additional loop, uh, loopholes for Russians uh, can be closed, that would obviously be great. And I'm all for that. Luis.
2: Uh sorry, I was working while listening to you and I missed the point to uh raise my hand. Um I would like to talk about one thing that um I I am really sorry for that. I, I'm really pissed off because uh, um it uh, it um yeah, it, it's directly to me because I'm Portuguese. And, uh, it's, it's about, uh, UN, um, and the visit that, uh, Gutierrez made to, uh, Putin, uh, that was, in my opinion, uh, too late. Uh, I think it was two months, uh, since the word started that he moved, uh, sorry for that, uh, his, his butt, uh, to Moscow and the, um, that he visit visited uh, at, at first uh, moscow and um and then uh, kiev uh, was also a thing that i think it it uh, it was bad really bad and i think if we see now the outcome of uh that meeting made that it was possible to remove i, I think 160 170 civilians from um, azovstal uh, if he, he made that visit earlier, at the beginning of the war, uh, I think it would be possible to, at the moment, not have uh, civilians in in Azov because I, I think there are uh, at least I think five hundred, six hundred left there. Um, what what do you think about it? I, I, I I'm missing the, the the actions from UN side. Um, because I, I know about their actions in other uh, conflicts around the world, and uh, I think i and that I'm, i don't know, don't know why I cannot explain that, but um they they should be doing more in ukraine and uh yeah um that pisses me really uh, because the the president of the u n is approaching this guy. I mean, we know him from uh, local Portugal politics, but um, it was a, a sad thing to 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 see, um, and I, I would like to know what what you all think about it.
0: You know, I'll start, and maybe maybe Freling can uh, f- fill in with her with her thoughts about this as well. I think that he felt as though he had to go visit with Putin first um, to kind of make it clear that. UN actually does want a resolution here. Oh, great. Now Walter's having connection issues. So we might drop. If we do drop everyone, Furlane's going to start a new space ASAP and then we're going to move over to Furlane space. If we don't drop, we'll just carry on talking here. But it looks like Walter might be having connection issues as well as um, uh, being... Uh, asleep at the moment. And look out for Ferlane to start a new space. Maybe click on Ferlane's avatar uh, right now, and then you'll be alerted to that she's starting a new space when her avatar lights up with a purple ring around it again. And then we can all move there uh, until Walter wakes up and restarts this one. Uh, So if Verlaine does start a new space, you can always search for water report, of course, a Russian invasion of Ukraine. It will have the same title as this one does, except I think we might, no, still 5th of May, right? Had to change the date. Uh, But we are going to continue with that there if need be. Uh, So maybe just go to Verlaine's profile in the meantime, just in case. Um, As to to your question, I think Guterres probably felt that he had to go to Russia first, possibly to make sure that, um, you know, Putin would take him a little bit more seriously than he would have otherwise. I don't think he particularly succeeded in that obviously because uh Russians rocketed Kiev while Guterres was there so I think that's kind of that kind of answers your question as to that they did manage to extract some people from that I think Good. yeah
2: i th- I think the 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 mayor of Kiev said it in one single sentence just how every people was thinking. Uh the rocketing of Kiev uh when Guterres was there was showing the world the middle finger
0: yeah no i think you're I think you're quite right. I think he's trying to be too much of a diplomat against uh a person who's definitely not acting in good faith in the slightest right I think that's that's really where that is <sighs> yeah uh hi Birn. uh good day uh hey smooth. Um, if either you have questions or comments to make, just raise your hand using the heart with a plus button in the bottom right. In the meantime, Sergey, if you want to go ahead, you had a heart, you had a hand up for just a second, so Sergey and- I, I, I think Bjorn was first. All right, thank you, Sergey Bjorn. Go ahead.
3: Yeah, thank you. Um, well done, restarting. Um I just wanted to to go back to for Lane was mentioning about uh, you know the the terrible impact that this would also have on uh, children um, going forward and. It reminded me of a, a nice story that my son told me the other day. Um, and to give it a little context, uh, we live about 15 minutes north of Copenhagen. Um, and even though Denmark hasn't received sort of, you know, as many, uh, Ukrainian people fleeing as, as some other countries, but, um, they're doing, you know, there are some here and, and this, uh, we received a, an email from the school There was about 30 starting at my, my kid's school, um, a couple of weeks ago and um yeah so so they're spread out between year zero and uh and the seventh grade so um the primary school I guess you could say and their base is sort of uh where my son's uh classroom is so two days of the week the Ukrainians are, are together um sort of uh in the classroom as one unit and then the other three days they go out uh to their respective sort of age groups um and are in there the classes there. Um, and my, my son uh, who's seven told me a story out of from the playground sort of the other day, um, where uh, they were playing football or, or soccer, um, where uh, one of the, the Ukrainian boys about the same age sort of came over and he could see that he wanted to play. So he, uh, he kicked the ball over and they started playing uh, football for a little while. Um, and then sort of at the end, obviously they can't speak to to each other because my son's too young to to speak english and i'm not sure if the ukrainian boy uh i guess it would be a similar situation um but he came over and and sort of gave my son a a fist bump uh to say sort of thanks uh actually yeah they gave each other a fist bump and then the the ukrainian boy says no 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 and sort of waves his finger and then he shows him how to do the fist bump with the the extra flair of sort of you know saying and you know giving it a bit of extra oomph um, and they both started laughing. And, and uh, then my, my son said that uh, the Ukrainian boy grabbed a hold of him and just gave him a giant hug. Um, and then, you know, I asked my son what he did. So, well, I hugged him back with a huge uh, smile on his face. Obviously, uh, very proud. When he said that, he was sort of, he looked two feet taller than he usually is. So it was just, um, there's a lot of, you know, horrible, horrible stories out there. But I think this, uh, it's also worth remembering that. There are some some lovely stories out there um and my son sort of said uh, well now i've got a new friend um so you know as terrible as this whole situation is um there are still some some glimmers of hope and and beauty um i thought it was just worth sharing that because obviously there's a lot of horrible stories out there at the moment um so
0: i thought i'd try and lighten light the moment thank you thank you bern it's great to hear you know some positive uh positive stories in the in the in the in the face of all of the horror and negativity and awfulness that's coming out of new out of the news or into the news every day, isn't it? Um, yeah. And welcome, Peter. Thank you. Uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, I I know you would have wanted to do this so earlier, but as you know, we literally for technical reasons couldn't have. Um, I actually have a question for you uh, that's been pending. Ask
4: away. For... Although, gentlemen, before you jump in, can I just uh, for a lot of us who were listening to the previous space and uh, are now jumping over um i just retweeted uh, the space uh using the share button on the lower right hand corner uh, on my my phone and uh, i'd encourage everybody now that we have the new space up and running uh to do the same uh it's uh, morning in north america right now people are waking up they're tuning into the space they want to find out what happened overnight and get the latest uh uh, news and on the ground insights from ukraine and uh and to hear uh Russian trolls and Russian fake news uh die a thousand deaths uh, which you guys do a great job on so uh I just would encourage everyone as you're rejoining the space to, to help get the space up and running and and to share use that share button and doman Ferlane m well done it is not hard to work through uh technical difficulties uh and look cool. While you're doing it even though you're like uh-oh what we got to get this guy what's going on uh this is part of uh, something that's never happened before broadcasting for not well on 70 days plus at this point uh sometimes you have technical hiccups and you guys have just been amazing pros so well done guys and thank you from you know folks like me who are listening in
0: Thank you so much, Peter. And if everybody could do as Peter said, and please share and retweet the space, that would be absolutely fantastic. I'll just alert you to the nest for just a second. That's the uh, carousel tweets that's just above everybody's avatars. I put three things up there. First of all, a reminder for everyone that later today, Or um, early this coming morning, depending on which time zone you are, we're going to be joined by a distinguished panel of experts on military matters to do with Ukraine, including Alexander Windman, uh, Colonel John Spencer that everybody's uh, familiar with who's been listening to this space, uh, as well as a couple of other uh, former and current military officers for a fantastic discussion on all things military uh, to do with Ukraine. That's going to happen at 7 p.m. tonight in uh, the eastern seaboard time in the U.S. Okay, 7 p.m. New York, 1 a.m. Central Europe, 2 a.m. Kiev, midnight London. I think that gives you enough of an idea of when this is going to happen. Okay, so 7 p.m. New York, uh, midnight London, 1 a.m. Berlin, 2 a.m. Kiev. Uh, the other things are, there's a link to Maria Aid, if you wish to help Ukraine, if you wish to help Ukraine right now. Look at Ria Aid. Aid is a fantastic organization that is uh, governed and run by a few of those aforementioned Canadian military officers and they do a fantastic job running this NGO supplying Ukrainians with all manner of non-lethal assistance uh, as per requests of um, Ukrainian Ministries of Health and Defense. So anything that's non-lethal, be it uh, medical equipment, combat medical equipment, hospital medical equipment, uh, things like bulletproof vests, vests um, thermo-optics, anything along those lines, uh, they supply all of that. They operate with zero overhead, and they honestly, they're one of the better charities around when it comes to helping Ukraine. And it's a very easy way for you to contribute if you can, if you can help out. And lastly, on what we are talking about earlier, uh, about Antonio Guterres and his meeting with Putin, I've added a little snippet from our friends at DW, that's Deutsche Welle Conflict Zone, one of some of our most uh, regular listeners, an interview with Lysia Valenka, uh, whom I think is an MP for, I forget which party, in Ukraine, uh, but it's a very good interview that they've done at DW Conflict Zone, and there's a little snippet of that up above. Uh, before I go to Sergei and Smooth, uh, Peter, I have a quick question for you that's been pending in my DMs for a while, and I think it might be, you might be the man to answer this, let's say.
4: Oh, no, no pressure. All right, David, fire away.
0: Better than me, anyway. So the question is, we're all asking whether tanks are dead, but is diplomacy dead? Did what Macron and company do, all for naught, or are there scenarios in which things could have been sorted out? Fire away. Uh,
4: To prevent prevent this uh, terrible escalation of aggression against Ukraine?
0: Exactly, both to prevent this expanded invasion by Russia, but also maybe to have stymied it early on, as opposed to let it continue for two months.
4: I think it's an excellent question, and here's my answer, and I've, I've written on this. Uh... The old ways of deterrence have clearly failed. So the toolkit in the Western arsenal, we would think of things like sanctions, et cetera, uh, the threat of military force, perhaps in some cases. Uh, the What is very clear and one of the big changes, pivot points, if you will, of this war uh, is that the old, our old ways of deterrence have failed. They have broken down. And I think it is absolutely imperative uh, for all friends of Ukraine, certainly all Western democracies, uh, to come to terms with that point, to realize we have, cro- made, we have crossed, uh, we have made it over a significant crossing point, and we need new forms of deterrence. Uh, one of the steps that I'm very encouraged about uh, is this new development in the United States with the passage by Congress of Lend Lease. This is a a way in which the United States can once again act as the arsenal and checkbook of democracy, those who are fighting uh, against uh, authoritarian invaders in in Ukraine's case. Uh, But uh, yeah, I think that is, um, I I think on the deterrent side, that is a very good question. I wouldn't say diplomacy has failed. I would say our old ways of deterring um, aggression have failed, and we're going to need to think up new ways. And there 's uh, much that comes from that. I would also say uh, don't don 't cross out the uh, heavy main battle tank just yet. Uh, the death of the tank has been declared probably a hundred times over the last hundred years it 's almost an annual event uh, when someone declares the death of the tank but um, i 'll let the military folks speak more to that area of expertise, uh, but I can say we we have failed, and, and the proof of that is in this current um, escalation. I would also point out this. Is a colossal failure that did not happen overnight. This generations of Western diplomats from all sides, uh, all political spectrum, you know, all political sides uh, contributed to this failure. And we must learn these lessons and implement changes immediately to prevent them from happening again. And gentlemen, I've got two energy updates as well.
0: Oh, thank you so much, Peter. Um, and, and thank you for this answer, because it was much better than I could have uh, given. Of course, as you said, you've actually written about this. Um, would it be all right with you, Peter, if we go to Sergi and then Smooth, and then go to you for the energy updates uh, to maybe have a broader discussion of energy after that? Would that be all right, Peter?
4: You got it. No problem. And again, Doman, you're doing such a fantastic job moderating. Absolutely thumbs up, man.
0: Fantastic. Thank you so much. Um, let's go to Sergi and Smooth real quick, and then we'll, we'll go to Energy. Sergi. Yeah, uh, thank you. Uh, First, I wanted to uh, thank Bjorn for the story. Uh, It made my day. (laughs) Fantastic story. Uh, Very heart-touching. Thank
3: you
5: very much. Um, And uh, my question is uh, regarding the latest
0: uh, package of sanctions from the EU. So there are, I think, five or six elements. And one of the elements is a gradual uh, uh, oil ban, right? and we already heard that some um, uh, hungarian politicians expressed that uh, they will veto it so my question is uh such a package uh would it go like element by element or if one uh the oil band piece is vetoed the whole uh the whole package goes down the sink thank you so this is the sort of thing that gets negotiated, right? It's not as though a package goes up for a vote and then it's defeated or not. Uh, this gets discussed and negotiated. So it's not necessarily the end of a whole package of sanction if one of the parts of it doesn't get doesn't get included. As to the rest of it, um, I think we're going to discuss uh, the oil bit quite heavily uh, after Peter's energy updates, anyway. So uh, hold on to that, and we'll we'll get to that in a bit, anyway. Uh, Smooth, go ahead
5: okay yeah thanks for having me um just two short things um uh first i'd like to add on to to what bjorn said that something similar happened to me like a couple of days ago i'm living a little bit more south than bjorn so it's in northern germany and uh, i was traveling on the train <clears throat> coming across a young uh, lady uh from the ukraine that was traveling with her cat and her mother-in-law and they fled from uh, Chason, and, uh that's, I think, when it really hits you. You know, we can can talk here and see stuff on the news, and but then um, meeting someone like that, and all all I could do at that moment is uh, help her uh, with her suitcases a little bit. So that um, that really hits home and makes uh, things much more real than um, what we see and talk about. So so I can just echo what Bjorn said. On the uh, other thing, um, what uh, Luis said um, concerning Mr. Gutierrez and maybe the UN and in general, I would say um, you're absolutely correct, Luis, and 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 I'm wondering the same. I think the what I've read uh, yesterday is that the Pope is going to travel to to meet um, Putin and then then travel to the Ukraine, and that seems to be the um, the standard uh, way of traveling for. Uh, in this in in this war well uh, you, you know they first travel to moscow and then they, they travel to kiev and um you know there might be some strategy uh, to it but still um i think it would it, it would set a sign if uh if uh, um some politicians first cre- travel to the to ukraine and uh, meet with uh, mr zelensky before uh, go on to putin um so but and then maybe for, for another time the, the, the question is just how much in, in general does the UN really really help? I think that um, wars like that uh, really um put um put some question marks to how effective the UN can, can can really work and if the organization as itself really have to have to be um remodeled, I think, to, to be kind of active. And just so close as living in here in, in, in Northern Germany, is give gift, uh, kudos to Axel um, and, and his uh, uh, the badge
6: and his profile. So I like that very much. Well, thank you. Es gibt nur ein AG 52, beziehungsweise es gab nur eins. <lacht> <lacht> uh, lang, Lange, Lange, lang, lang ist es her.
5: Die, die, das Meer über der See gehört im MFG. Ich habe davon gehört.
6: Richtig, genau. <laughs> so, okay, but thank you very much, Smooth, for highlighting this. I think the, the main issue is that, obviously, there's two categories of politicians. The ones who are now currently still engaged, uh, engaged in what is institutionalized appeasement, that's one thing, and I would call, of course, the head of the Catholic Church, as for he is, he's the head of the Catholic Church, and therefore commands at least the attention of anywhere between a, a billion and a billion three of um, his flock. Now, um, that he has different proclivities in terms of how to exert his soft power, that may be the case. Uh, it's not for me to comment upon. However, there's those who engage in appeasement, and uh, Mr Gutierrez obviously felt that after two months of waiting on the fence, uh, he should not be a complete Humpty Dumpty, but then again made himself one. That's a problem. That problem cannot be fixed unless there is a new um, general secretary. The second part is that, of course, those who are not engaged in appeasement, but in what Peter called, quite rightly, the new form of diplomacy, and that is effective deterrence. That effective deterrence, ongoing at this point in time, is incorporated. Is embodied by Lloyd Austin. And where did he go? He did go with, uh, uh, say, his friendly chap from Foggy Bottom. He went to Kiev, and that's where you have to be. Everything else fails to matter. If you're engaged with a hostile force, you do not meet the hostile force on its territory, and that is where it ends. That is how it should stay at the moment. Peter?
4: Okay. Uh, jump again here.
6: Can you
4: hear me okay?
0: um you're a little bit muffled but i think it's alright peter i think you're very you're you're readable for sure
4: thanks all right is this better oh crystal clear now fantastic that's what i get for having my phone in my pocket uh okay uh, <laughs> there were a couple questions uh before we restarted the space that uh domen again you did an excellent job at, at at answering um the oil the the proposition of an oil embargo uh was one of them we have some natural gas updates and we have some Uh, more meta questions that Axel just touched upon. Uh, Those questions surround uh, this issue of what are we going to do about Russia long-term? How are we going to deter, uh, stop this war in Ukraine's favor? That means Ukraine must win. And I'll start there. Uh, Yesterday, I tweeted out a a video. It's been shared a lot. Uh, Ursula von der Leyen uh, made the very bold statement that Ukraine must win. And as part of that, uh, the EU... Is preparing to essentially stop Russian oil imports. Uh, that's very good. Uh, I would flag that it is easier to find uh, alternative sources of oil than it uh, uh, than it is for alternative sources sources of Russian natural gas. This is because oil is a much more fungible commodity than natural gas, uh, and the oil market is a global market, whereas the natural gas market. Uh, in Europe is a a patchwork of regional relationships, regional markets connected mainly through pipeline infrastructure. And most of that infrastructure is owned and controlled by Russia or runs Russian gas through it. So uh, when we think about energy responses, it's important for everyone to remember it's easier to swap out oil in, in your economy from one provider to another. Than it is for natural gas. But that is the cool change. M and Doman, you guys flagged this right before we switched over. Um, the big major seismic development that is breaking right now, you guys were right to flag it, is Germany's signing of a contract overnight, I believe, uh, in order to uh, float into its shores to. Floating uh, natural gas regasification platforms for everybody going, what the heck is that? Um, Liquified natural gas is basically methane that you've made very cold, so it's a liquid. But you have to warm it up very carefully and very slowly in order to turn it back into a gas that economies can use for you know daily life. So you have two choices. You can either build, spend years building up the land-based infrastructure for an LNG receiving terminal, which is oftentimes what it's called, or you can put the equipment on a boat and you can sail it anywhere. Uh, I would flag two things about this development. First, the German government said for years that they could never do this. Uh, The uh, German uh, gas and uh, energy company, RWE, said for years that this step was impossible. Plus, why would we ever want to do that if we could just buy cheap Russian gas? And they kept saying the Russians are reliable energy partners.